Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Yes, hello. We are indeed back. We did not forget about the biggest game of the season. I don't care what anybody says. We always plan to record on the Wednesday. Do not look for anything that says otherwise. I'm Josh Henwood, leading you from the front today as uh, Sean has had to take a uh, had to take a back seat for some uh, work trip down to Guildford. So uh, it's me in the hot seat today. I'm joined by two of the four others that joined us for the preview show of the Super Bowl. You can understand why Steve has not uh, joined us today from the uh, from the final scoreline. The Chiefs, of course, beating the Eagles 38-35. Uh, I have Dave with me first. Dave, how are you doing, buddy? And uh, what did you uh, g- g- give us your, uh, your one-liner of what you thought about the game? I'm doing really well, Josh. Uh, Just a one line. I'll try my best. Um, Doing really well. Uh, Glad to be back. Uh, It's always nice to make two appearances in a week. The one liner, I'll just give you one word. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. And of course, we had to have him back. He said he would only do this (laughs) if the Chiefs won, of which means that for most of this game, I thought I'm not even going to ask him because I'm just going to get a no. And then as fast as as Kadarius Tony can go on a punt return, Liam runs towards my DMs and says, yes, Josh, I will do the show. (laughs) Absolutely, I will. He is wearing the sweater to boot with the Tony name on. Liam... Liam, mate, first of all, congratulations. I think that uh, I can say on behalf of everyone here at the full 10 yards. The Chiefs, of course, with their second Super Bowl in three years. I think it's three years. And once again, in a oh, it's four years. I do apologize. You have been, <laughs> uh, of course, yes, if it was three, it would have included the Tampa year, wouldn't it? I'm sorry to make you think about that one for, for a <laughs> moment. Um, that wasn't intentional at all, no matter how much I have a love hate relationship with yourself. Um, <laughs> so, first of all, congratulations. How are you feeling, obviously? And, you know, how did you set? You know, give us a sense of what it's like to to win a Super Bowl. Me and Dave have no idea. Well, Dave, were you around actually for when the Saints won that Super Bowl? It feels like such a long time ago. I may as well not have been. I'm there we go. Now. Yeah, for, for two guys that don't really know, give us a give us a taste. Give us a feel. Yeah, oh, it feels very very good. It's weird watching though. You know, the whole year, most neutral fans watch the Super Bowl and they're probably just completely chilled, aren't they? Thinking about. Halftime bets. What's Rihanna gonna sing? Like third quarter. Oh, who's gonna I mean, you were still doing it anyway. I was watching you on the chat. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, so it's quite nerve wracking. But um, yeah, it feels great. It feels amazing to win. I said I'd always rather lose in a Super Bowl than I would in the title game. It felt way worse to lose to the Bengals than it did in, in the Super Bowl. So um, yeah, it feels amazing. I'm currently missing the parade 
uh, on TV I haven't recorded, so I could join you. So uh, you have my time over Patrick Mahomes at the moment, which is very rare in uh, in my life. So that's good. Um, my but, yeah, God, I feel, I, good. Feel, I feel loved. I feel loved in this moment. <laughs> feel good. Also, I feel sad for uh, feel sad for Steve. I don't. I think I only know two Eagles fans. So Steve and then my co-host Patrick is also an Eagles fan. Um, both of them have missed the two initial recap pods that I've been on. So uh, I hope they're listening to this. I know Patrick listens as well. So yeah, commiserations to them. Great season for the Eagles, but obviously I'm delighted the Chiefs won and um, look forward to talking about it with you guys. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, my heart does go out to Steve and to, uh, to Patrick as well. Uh, two great guys who... Uh, didn't deserve the way in which it eventually went down but you know let's let's talk about it uh, and uh we're, we're gonna try and do it in some sort of order um so <laughs> you know we'll look we'll look first of all at uh at the first half so the eagles go into the halftime break 24 14 up uh the eagles scoring three touchdowns and a field goal the Kansas City Chiefs, two touchdowns, missing a field goal of their own. Um, you also had at the end of the first half, Patrick Mahomes he limping off is probably the best way to describe it. You know, um, you know, with that ankle injury being re-aggravated due to a uh, due, due to a rather heavy sack that he faced um i know it wasn't a wasn't a sack i do apologize it was uh just simply tackle a tackle on, a run, yeah. on him one yard gain yeah. that's right the one yard gainer of which meant that <laughs> uh, the chiefs did not surrender a sack I'm, i've i've said that he's been sacked about four or five times since the game they did not record a single sack the eagles i think that everything that we said folks um last week in terms of what to expect uh did not happen at all um you know the eagles came out hot and heavy on the passing game jalen hurts slinging it around um you know, you know i think that he got over 150 yards or something like that in just the first half um you know mahomes and the chiefs finding it much more difficult to be able to create much of anything to start off with they were able to get down a um they were able to get down in the first quarter for a touchdown. They then um, stripped Jalen Hurts of the ball in the second quarter and ran that in to keep the game. Uh, that, that was to level the game, I believe, um, in the second quarter. Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously um, gained the ball straight there, but then went straight back and was able to uh, keep the train rolling for the Eagles. Now, Liam, going into that half time. You know, share, yeah. share, share your thoughts of that because I didn't see a way back for the Chiefs at that point. I actually ended up um, now erroneously deciding to put a few quid on the Eagles winning by two scores in the end, just because I thought that just the way in which that, you, you know, you see it and you think there's no way back. You know, that's that's how I saw it as a neutral. Quite a lot of people sort of felt the same from like the message boards and all the rest of it. How how did you see it? You know, were there was there shoots of optimism from somewhere that the neutral might not have seen? Um, or was it just a case of get me out of here? Yeah, so I think it depends on your view on the injury, really. So um my opinion, because when he first got hurt, I kind of thought he's gonna play the game just because that's who he is. But yeah. I thought he was so hurt that the game was probably over. 
Um, but then obviously then you see him walking, run into the tunnel and you're like, okay, well, he's not as injured. So on our um, Our Heads Abroad, like UK Chiefs group and stuff that we, obviously we do a lot of talking, I kind of said, like, I think the game's over um, if he comes out and he is actually as hurt as he looks. But if he comes out and, and looks back to himself like he did at the start of the game and we score on the first drive, I think he'll probably go on to win it because that's just <laughs> Patrick Mahomes um, it's kind of written in his story, really. As soon as he got hurt, I was like, okay, he's either not going to be able to finish this game or he's going to come back with a fourth quarter touchdown and, and win the game. That's just kind of my, my feelings on it. Um, I think it helped the fact that the, the first half, if you look at it, the time of possession, they had like 63 snaps the Eagles did versus the Chiefs 30. So they doubled up on the snap. So I think if you kind of look at that and say, okay, Mahomes didn't touch the ball in real life for like 47 minutes of actual real time. With Because the Chiefs yeah. scored that fumble touchdown, so obviously he doesn't get to drive. So I think when you kind of look at the first half and you think, oh, wow, they were getting dominated, I just think it was because of how many snaps they faced. I think the Eagles had 16 third downs that they faced, converted 10 of the other six. They converted four fourth downs as well. Um, two by penalty and then obviously two by the vaunted QB sneak that they like to do. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, really. I think when he got hurt, I was like, game's over. But then as soon as I saw him run into the half and obviously they have beat reporters that are inside the tunnel, they just said that he was running fine. And one of the players asked, who, asked if he was good and he was like, yeah, it's good. Let's go win this. So I was just kind of like, it's Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I was kind of really emotional when he got hurt and was like, game over, turn my phone off, see you later. And then he started running in with his uh, incredibly fun run that everyone likes to uh, take the mic out. And I thought, okay, right, we're going to try and do this. But I think on Twitter, I actually used the words, if we don't score a touchdown out of the half, I feel like this game could be over. And then, obviously, he drives down the field. He doesn't have an incomplete pass, and they score a touchdown, and then it made things better. So, yeah, I thought the first half was bad from a scheme perspective. Um, obviously, Chiefs completely sold out to stop the run. Um, and then, unfortunately, for Trent McDuffie, he just missed a pass in the air where he just went the wrong way and lost it in the air. And obviously, AJ Brown had that big play. But I think overall, the offense was fine. It was just, we'll talk about it later, but the refs missed two clear holds on Bradbury, ironically, and two punts. And and then they just come down and run the ball and, and, and waste a lot of clock. So for me, I wasn't too upset with how the offense played. I just think it was a little bit too relaxed on defense. We need to be more aggressive, blitz more, risk even more. Um, but obviously in the second half they did that and I think the Eagles only scored one touchdown so yeah it worked in the second half but yeah I was a little bit worried when I saw 15 crawling on the ground and then putting his head into a trainer's arm but yeah things got better at the half yeah I seem to think that Patrick Mahomes does this almost exclusively during the postseason as well um, I mean as a Browns fan I have uh, I have PTSD of seeing Patrick Mahomes go down with an injury and then Chad Henney coming in to finish off so I, I even, I even said to my missus at one point look Chad Henney's going to come out and he's going to end up winning the game for him <laughs> because that, it's just something of which uh, Andy Reid can pull off so uh, yeah no I could, I could understand the dismay but you know, never discount the Chiefs, no matter what, especially not in this uh, in in this league. D- Dave, um, you know, g- give me the other perspective. You know, I, I mean, I don't think that anyone really expected. You know, we expected it to be a close game, and that's what we got. Um, you know, we kind of expected the Eagles to be more on the ground and, you know, more meticulous i suppose in terms of the drives and that's what we got as well um not so much from the running perspective but more in terms of how many snaps that they had you know doubling the chiefs etc but some of the plays in which the eagles were getting off and the real desire to try and get up you know several scores to start off with really worked for them didn't it 
I mean, they went after the, uh, the, Eagle, uh, the Eagles, the Chiefs secondary, like nobody's business. Obviously, they had the A.J. Brown touchdown, but obviously McDuffie gets turned around. It's one of those, really, for McDuffie. But they also had, um, I believe it was in the uh, first half, the Devonta Smith catch was, or was that the second half? It's all blended well, into one. Half. That was the first half. Yeah, as well, it was where, the first uh, half. Yeah, he was yeah. down. Yeah, um, so it... It was almost as if they were trying to lull the Chiefs into selling out on stopping the run as you say, Liam, and then just attack them over the top, which is, I didn't articulate it on the uh, preview pod, but that's kind of why I was going with it being a high-scoring game, because I feel like both teams were going to think that we need to sell out and possibly stop the run, that it could just be a sort of baiting the defence into being open for those big shots downfield. But it was wonderful to watch Jalen Hurts um, be the deep threat that everyone knows he can be. But I do wonder if sometimes he's unfairly labelled as, you know, he's just a, a running back at quarterback. I know that that's a very, very lazy thing to say, but he, he is you know, so much more than that. And I've heard people say that he could have, should have been the MVP, uh, irrespective of whether or not the Eagles went on to win the game. However, you can't put the ball on the ground like he did. And not only that, but then boot it backwards. I know that's unfortunate, but it just looked terrible. <laughs> it, that, terrible it, it, it just yeah. looked awful. I know that he didn't mean to boot it backwards, and it's sort of Cam Newton level of fumble yeah. that he did in Super Bowl Fifty. But the way, just everything that happened that from the fumble to him booting it to it then bouncing into Nick Bolton's hands uh, was just such an awful look for. Wait. He uh, changed hands as well on the fumble. That's even worse. Yeah, like they teach you, like, yeah. don't move the ball. And he passed it from his own. And as soon as he did that live, I was like, oh, my God, we can strip strip that. And it was Bolton who got the I, strip as well. I did wonder if Hurts <laughs> maybe was feeling himself a bit too much on th- at that point. Um, but it, it was a fascinating first half, I thought, because, um, because obviously the Chiefs going down 10. There's the Butker missed field goal. And I know we, we can get into the ifs and buts because if Hertz doesn't fumble the ball, then it's a totally different game, etc. But with that Butker Basile goal, which is only 42 yards, which these days is pretty much a gimme, especially for someone like Butker when he's uh, performing at the standard he usually does, it's only a touchdown. And I think as well, had this been a, the championship game or a wild card, anything but the Super Bowl, without that extra... 10 minutes of halftime. You know, it could take the homes a while longer to get fully up to speed. Because I think I said at half time uh, to you guys, he's got 45 minutes to get right because obviously yeah, the Eagles went on that field goal drive yeah. before half time. So, I mean, it it's what you need to win Super Bowls. You need things to go your way. Uh, and obviously, things happened in the second half that had the Eagles fans up in arms. Um, regarding a certain holding call. But there are all these little moments beforehand where you think that the Chiefs might have been down and out. But I, at half time, uh, and maybe it's because I I wasn't as sober as I usually am, shall we say, but (laughs) I did feel like uh, the Chiefs were nowhere near out of this. I mean, we've seen the Chiefs be 24-0 down to the Texans in a playoff game. So, and, and they proved that they could score on the Eagles as well. It wasn't as if they the, the fumble touchdown was their only score. I mean, they should have had the field goal. They had an impressive drive to open uh, on the opening drive. You know, I thought it was very much a game. And it was already, I was thinking, wow, this is, this is great. 
it was already a brilliant game at yeah. that point. Oh, absolutely. It definitely was. Um, you, you know, it, it had a little bit of everything even by that point. And I think that having that turnover play helped with that as well, mm. kept things interesting. Cause I think that that was a point where, you know, if the Eagles had gone down and got that, you know, it's a very different game in of that as well. The injury added something in the fact that he came back seemingly fine within seconds of him running down the tunnel was something else as well. I'm going to pause talking about the game just there. Cause like I said, I'm going to try and do this in chronological order. So we've hit halftime now. So let's talk about the halftime show. Now the NFL has done this thing where the halftime show is this really well marketed thing now you know you hear about it for weeks on end the adverts during you know any game which you watch on like the state's feed via game pass you've got about 14 adverts every flipping half about it you know the songs are drummed into i mean if anyone remembers when the weekend did it pretty much um you know every other advert included that flipping song and all the rest of it and Old man yells at cloud here, by the way. Old man yells at cloud. Old man yells at cloud. But you know what? Uh, And and you know what? I'm about to yell at cloud a hell of a lot more. So Rihanna comes out on stage. This has been really... The the point I'm trying to get is that this has been really hyped, right? The fact that it's Rihanna. You know, she's got her own flipping clothing line out on Fanatics and all the rest of it. She comes out, it's this well-choreographed, multi-dancer thing. She's up on different levels going this, that, and the other. Now, I know that, Liam, you've covered this with the betting lads on uh, the betting pod, the fact that, you know, it's all pre-recorded, you know, the mute because it's got to be able to go out to the feeds and all the rest of it. But am I alone here in thinking that, even as a dubbed performance where you basically, you know, you know, you have to mime and you have to do something. Just didn't seem that bothered. It seemed a lazy performance by usual halftime standards. And people are just loving it because Rihanna records bangers. People are just listening to the bangers rather than looking at what's in front of their face. <laughs> I say I'm firmly on the opposite side to you on this one, which I'm, there's one more debate later in the podcast. I know we're going to be on the other, other side of, but this is one. <laughs> I thought she was good. You have to remember, it came out after, but I think it was obvious during, but I think as men, people probably didn't want to say this on social media, but it was quite obvious she was heavily pregnant. So oh, yeah, was, absolutely. But that kind of puts the around, question as but... to why she did it in the first place. Well, I assume when they booked her, obviously she wasn't heavily pregnant at that stage, and I, I, and I I forgot this actually until after the performance. But um, they do it for free as well, which I kind of completely forgot. You don't get paid to do it, so it was obviously so heavily organised and marketed that you just can't change it. Um, so I think they just went yeah. heavy on the dancers, and I think the fact a pregnant woman was like two hundred feet high in the air. It felt like I was so oh, nervous. Yeah, I was so nervous. <laughs> yeah, that that's just. Me. I mean, I I remember thinking. God, if one thing goes wrong, so I hope the liabilities are uh, they got that sorted out for the insurance. It, but it, was, it did uh, remind yeah. me of um, I don't know if either of you were ever uh, Nintendo gamers, but a Super Smash Brothers level. Oh uh, yes. if, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one for the uh, requisite nerds out there. But when uh, <laughs> when that got pointed out to me, I was like, oh yeah, it is, isn't it? That's why I'm into this. <laughs> I say she does have some good songs though. It was like it was banger after banger. Yeah. Oh, it was banger after banger. If I didn't watch it, if I just listened to it, it would have been great. Yeah. 
yeah. The opening song choice as well was uh, funny because obviously in the stadium they didn't double out. It was her actual saying, saying "bitch, have my money," and that was quite good. And uh, but unfortunately, us betting lads, we were trying to bet the first song for maybe ten days, and we were back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I've never seen the market like this, and, and we'll probably cover. I've never seen Adam, the but... betting chat like it either, folks. So I'm yeah. just on it, it's just crazy. to monitor it and pick up some tips. And all I have for 10 days is oh, yeah. nothing to do with the game. It's just Rihanna's first song. It was mad. Yeah, and I think Adam made some money off it in the end. And um, I managed to cover myself back on it. But Better Have My Money was favourite for like four days. And then all of a sudden, the last 24 hours, the money was just going all over the place. And it ended up being... So three hours before the game, it was the fifth favourite. But then half an hour <laughs> before the game, it was joint favourite again. So... Obviously, people knew what they were doing in the States of how much money was getting bet on it. But um, yeah, I think we probably bet on about 12 songs between us, it felt like, across the... Uh, it was the entire period. album. It was the entire yeah. flipping discographer. <laughs> but um, I was quite happy because I bet over nine and a half songs and she managed to cram 13 songs into 12 minutes, which is pretty... That's special. superb going, isn't it? That is. Either that was... or just lazy in terms of singing the songs. <laughs> I was disappointed with no third of them. I, I mean, you... I mean, you know, it's one or the other. Yeah, I was depending on your argument. Felt. I was disappointed at no guest though, but I understand why because she was trying to be like solo artist empowerment. But I thought she was going to have a guest. Um, so there was a special guest. <laughs> there the absolutely baby. was a special guest. Just couldn't come out and say hello. <laughs> yeah, but I was more thinking Jay Z or Calvin Harris rather than a baby. But fair enough. <laughs> it was fair, better I than when Coldplay did it and uh, when Coldplay did it and they um, had loads of special guests and I think it got to the point where you forgot it was actually Coldplay's gig Yeah, because uh, I think yeah. from that Coldplay one I remember it being Bruno Mars No one, yes. it, was, it was always like they were a backing band for Bruno Mars and all these <laughs> other guests oh look, there's Chris Martin what's he doing there? Oh yeah it's Coldplay uh. <laughs> Yeah and then Bruno Mars actually did it on, on his own. He was flipping awesome. Yeah, he didn't need Coldplay. <laughs> did not need Coldplay. Uh, but yeah, it's just because I think I hold, in terms of like all time, and we could honestly just talk, talk like this for flipping hours. But, you know, for me, the sort of like the standard for me, the weekend set that standard. Oh, I hate and... Oh, no, you see. That <laughs> when he's was, just, when his face well is just in the camera done. and he just looks like he's off his face. That was, uh, I thought... Uh, so one of the best I think I've seen was probably surprisingly Katy Perry was really really good. Yeah, Katy then, Perry was great. The Sharks yeah. were great, weren't they? Yeah, and last year was <laughs> great, obviously because that's my sort of music. Last year was great, but I thought Katy Perry's was good. But yeah, um, yeah, I wasn't into the weekends at all. But um, yeah, Rihanna. People are saying like top three ever. I was reading earlier for Rihanna. So yeah, they weren't watching it; they were just listening. <laughs> Uh, on the, on the radio, there. yeah, radio. I, I, yeah, I, I'll die on this hill. They just had Spotify open and just played her songs during halftime. They were wondering why the halftime show was forty minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So that's halftime. So second half. Obviously, this is the fun bit for Liam because uh, this is where the Chiefs start coming back and with a vengeance. Um, so second half, the the. Philadelphia Eagles are able to get 11 points total with that um, two-point conversion touchdown in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs getting 24 points, obviously, including that game-winning field goal with eight seconds to go from uh, something like 24 yards or something like that because it was pretty much from the four or the five. Um, 
of which they got it down to, of which, by the way, um, not running in for that score at the end and actually taking a knee when you realize it's the Super Bowl, you could tell your kids and everyone else, I scored the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. You might slide not down at the <laughs> one. Do <laughs> yeah. yeah, you slide down at the one and you go, no, I'm happy to do this one for the team. That's quite some going. You know, I hats off to you for that. My ego couldn't do that. <laughs> I can just about do that on Madden, let alone in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Basically, a complete reversal in the second half. The Chiefs are able to completely flip the script on both offense and defense. Defensively, they were able to apply a lot more pressure onto Jalen Hurts. He's unable to get the throws out anywhere near as quickly. Uh, The running game pretty much falls to a halt on the offensive side of the field. Um, As you've already alluded to, Liam, that first drive where they absolutely needed a score just to settle them down. Um, Mahomes didn't have an incompletion whatsoever, went all the way through, and he pretty much had that air of confidence for the rest of the game. I'm just looking through the uh, the plays, um, you know, play by play, you know, touchdown for Kansas, touchdown for Kansas, touchdown for Kansas, and then the field goal. They did not punt the ball. They did not lose the ball. It was just time after time, whereas um, the Eagles field goal after a 7 minute 45 second drive of which actually brought us pretty much to the end of the third quarter and then they punted after a five and out uh they got that touchdown on 10 plays that took up four minutes when they probably even needed to really stretch it out or go quite quickly they did neither allowed for five minutes of play uh with that field goal but Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to ask you, because you know more about this by being a Chiefs fan. You know, tell tell us about the, the second half adjustments that you saw and how Andy Reid's able to do this consistently. Yeah, so I was listening to one podcast today, actually, um, with uh, Mitchell Swartz, who obviously used to be the Chiefs right tackle. And um, his kind of opinion is there wasn't really any adjustments in the second half. It was just the fact that... What? Yeah, that's also the fact that... Mahomes got tackled and hurt his ankle, obviously, on that big third down after Orlando Brown did two had two penalties. So that drive was just dead, really, because of the left tackle in the first half. And then the other one, Juju got held blatantly. And obviously, the the guys were saying in the booth, like, yeah, that's like a blatant hold and we had to punt. So his view was kind of there wasn't no adjustments. But in terms of what people think are adjustments, I think it's more of Andy setting up the plays. So what he did in the first half was they did so many jet motions, especially towards Sam Reddick. So he had to obviously think about it before he could rush the passer. And then in the second half, if you looked, all the plays where they would normally do a jet motion, they either did a whip or they did a wheel route. And I think for me, it was more like the play calling. He, This is what Andy does. So the first 15, because we only ran 16 plays in the first half. So they only barely got out of the yeah. first 15. Um, so in the second half, it just meant he could have the adjustments off those first plays. So I think that was part of it. Um, obviously, he did run the ball a bit more, which probably was the, the main adjustment. But I think it was more on defense where... They were a bit more aggressive on blitzing to try and get free rushes um, just so they could get the ball back because they didn't want the Eagles to keep having 10-minute drives because it's just going to ruin the, the game for the offense because they're never going to have enough time to score enough points. Um, so I think for me, it was more Andy setting up the plays, obviously running it a little bit more. Um, and then I just think 
uh, in the second half, if you look at it from an Eagles perspective, uh, they played more man coverage in the second half than they did in the first half on Kelsey, which then meant that the other guys could get open because Juju Smith-Schuster had like one reception for two yards in the first half and then ended the game with, I think, seven or eight for, for nearly 60 yards. So um, I think maybe they covered Kelsey a little bit different and then the rest of the offense opened up. But yeah, I think it was more Andy kind of scheming up and kind of running off the first set of plays he did in the first half and then obviously running the ball a little bit more, which... We all know, we all said in the preview pod that if the Chiefs run the ball and stick to it, the Eagles can't stop the run. And obviously, Pacheco had a had a good second half as well. So. Yeah, um, Isaiah Pacheco with uh, 76 yards off 15 carries, most of those being in the second half. Juju Smith-Schuster, seven receptions for 53 yards off nine targets. You know, both of those definitely uh, having a lot more to say in the second half. Uh, but the man who probably had the most to say in the second half, Dave, Kadarius Tony, from one play. If you look at the if you look at the drive by drive summary, you'll find a very clear outlier. You know, in amongst all the total times, you will find that there is a one that is four plays starting from the Philadelphia five yard line, and it lasts just forty nine seconds. Uh, which completely turned the game on its head. Talk to us about the punt return. Well, I mean, I was going absolutely crazy at this point because both it was just punch-counter-punch all game from both sides. And you thought, well, something's got to break here. We've had, as I said, we had the misfield goal. We had the fumble touchdown. Yeah, that That's the weirdness done. But then, obviously, the Chiefs went touchdown. It went field goal. Philly is still up by six. Chiefs get the touchdown. They'll lead in for the first time. What do the Eagles do? And they go three and out, which is just an absolute disaster at that point because you've given the homes the ball back after less than two minutes. And you say, oh, this is this is looking really bad because, as you say, the Chiefs were then running the ball down the Eagles' throat and they had the lead. So time was no longer of the essence. But when Kadarius Tony just popped off that return for 65 yards, I, I thought that is possibly game over. I was worried, though. That the Chiefs were going to go for two to make it a nine-point game. Uh, and they should have gone saw, for two, uh, I think. I, I, I think I they should have as well. But I was just really nervous that, especially because of how much they were just dominating the Eagles at that point. Um, a dominate might be a strong word, but it's what it felt like because yeah, they'd scored on two consecutive plays and it was about to be a third. But I just had horrible visions of them not getting the two and then, yeah, something catastrophic happened. But they sensibly did play it safe with hindsight anyway. But as soon as Tony uh, made that, I did think it was game over. And then, you know, he actually ended the day uh, with one catch for five yards. It was a touchdown as well. So the two, <laughs> the, the two things that Tony did were... Two of the most, well, not two of the most, one of the most important plays, and the other one was a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to add as well. His he had five plays, and um, his other play is when the defense thought he was going to run the whip route, and they just ran the same route with Sky Moore, and Sky Moore yeah. scored the touchdown. Tony was in for that play. The third down with Juju Smith-Schuster faked. Uh, basically fake to block for Tony. That was them faking an orbit past Tony on the left. And then the Holmes to uh, Kelsey, like 20-odd yard gain, that was where they faked a screen to Tony and then through to Kelsey. So he was in for five snaps and they all were third down conversions, touchdowns, or <laughs> I think it was the longest punt in Super Bowl return in Super wow. Bowl history. But I saw I people this- like criticizing the punter as well. 
which I was as well, but I didn't care, obviously. But then, <laughs> but then, uh, but then I heard um, one of the special teams coaches that goes on the McAfee show is just saying, oh, he thinks it was that was a planned thing. So they, they lined up to make Tony think they were kicking it to the, to the right. That's why it was lined mm-hmm. up that way. And then the punter quickly changed and kicked it the opposite way last minute. That was the idea. So they could try and block coverage. But obviously, Tony just did that awesome cut. And then when, I don't yeah. know what you guys were like, but on TV... It was like a sea of white all down that yeah. sideline. I was like, yeah. crazy. God, this is a touchdown. And then um, Andy Reid, funnily enough, said yesterday, uh, even in, I didn't know this, and he probably didn't want to reveal this, but in practice, they don't give him more than seven yard routes because they said he's had so many hamstring injuries and they feel like the Giants dealt with it badly, basically. This is what he said, that they didn't want to <laughs> risk him running 20, 30 yard routes. So in practice, he only runs five, six yards out. So they said when he started running, they were all like, there's no way. Andrew basically said, no way he's, <laughs> he's expecting score. the hamstring to pull out. Yeah. No, he basically said that he has no conditioning. Like they said, look, we don't do any conditioning. So we don't, we, we, he needs an off-season with our trainers to sort the hamstring out. So basically they were like, he's not going to be fit enough to run. And you could see at the end, he was just like walking, like trying to like zigzag. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, he's going to score. I had a bet on him to score two touchdowns. So I was going absolutely nuts. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he gets tackled and I'm like, ah, oh. then you realize you're at the what 10 i don't know what you've probably got the play but i think it was the five yard line line. yeah yeah five yard line i'm just like in my head at that time i was like okay there's no way we're not going to score now so we can now win the game but i was for like 30 seconds being like oh my god tony's gonna win me like 600 quid (laughs) and it's the most stupid bet ever for him to score two touchdowns but uh, i'll take the win but um yeah he was he was exceptional on the preview pod, I did say that I was not expecting, but I was wondering if we were going to have a player that had that sort of <laughs> Sammy Watkins-esque yeah. game. And in a way, it was kind of Kadarius Tony, but not in the box score at all. But as you say, yeah. he had very limited time in the game, but everything he did just sent the Eagles into a complete spin cycle and they had absolutely no idea how to deal with him. And it... It was one of the most, he's obviously not the MVP, but he's the, the MEP, the most enjoyable player of the game because <laughs> he just, he wreaked absolute chaos upon the game whenever he was in there. It was wonderful. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's a new one. MEP. <laughs> I was going to say, before we... Uh... the European Parliament. No. Oh, yeah, patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know, uh... I know what's next on the call sheet. So before we get to that, I was just going to talk in general quickly about the second half. That's all right. Um, yeah, yeah. It, link, it links to the topic we're probably going to have an argument about in a minute, but um, <laughs> I thought I thought these stats were um, were crazy. So in the second half, that is the most efficient offensive performance of all time. Uh, the Chiefs gained every single yard they could, like in terms of physically could. They could not gain any more yards apart from seven, but they kneeled down for seven yards at the end of the game. So that was all due to kneel downs. Um, by EPA per play, QBR... Uh, passer rating, PFF grade, ESPN QBR grade. That is the best second half performance that any quarterback has had in the Super Bowl of all time. Uh, And I didn't realize this. That is the worst um, Philadelphia run performance in the second half they've had since Sirianni's been a head coach as well. So Spags obviously stopping the run, incredible. And then, yeah, Mahomes literally had the greatest second half in Super Bowl history, which I just find mind-boggling. And like you said, he had one incompletion, um, which was a throwaway. Um, yeah. when when he had um, Brandon Graham trying to rip his head off his shoulders. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that first half, I thought Sirianni was incredible and Jane Hurts was amazing. And then second half, obviously, Spags turned up and um, just wanted to praise the offense, really, because to have that level 
And I think when you're watching the game, you're nervous. You don't really realize it. But obviously, as someone who likes analytics, when you look at after the game, you're like, oh my God. Not only did it feel like we dominated the second half, that is literally the greatest second half ever from an efficiency <laughs> yeah. perspective. So I was pretty amazed. And, and when it was I saw a complete them. flip. And it was a complete flip of the script as well, because, you know, analytics, I feel, go so far. And the other bit is the eyeball test. The eyeball test for me in the first half was, you know, eagles were everywhere, you know, just because that's how it seemed. But the second half, it, it, the Eagles weren't there at all. And you could tell, and you can tell the pressure was building on them, and you can tell it was weighing on them as did well you, as trying um, to hold onto this lead. Did you two think they should have gone for it on that four from three where they did punt, obviously, and then it went back to Tony? Because I know it was in their own 30. I would go, but I'm obviously someone who does follow analytics, and I care about that. But everyone on Twitter was like, if you follow numbers, you're like, go. And then every normal fan I spoke to was like, no, you're against Mahomes at your own 30. Do not do not go. And I was thinking, I don't think we'd stop them if they just ran up the middle. But I guess second half, maybe they weren't playing as well and lost a bit of confidence. But. Right, Dave, I'll let you go first on this one. This is an well, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? But yeah, the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm trying to remove hindsight from uh, my mind. There, I think. Well, they they were running through, not running through the Chiefs at will. But you look at the they went two for two on fourth down conversions, third down conversions. I think they were eleven of eight. Yeah, eleven of eighteen. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one. If it was a fourth and two, I'd be definitely in fit. I would have been, yeah, absolutely go for it. But that extra yard just always seems when it's a fourth and three, just yeah, you can't sneak it really then, can you? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then you know you've got to try and dial up essentially a, a two point conversion play almost, but from your own thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, I'm usually the one that sort of goes by the eyeball on that one and sort of says. You know, if you're back down in your own 30, you've got to back your defense. Um, for me, I think that if it was a little later in the half, you know, if, if you're talking, you've got six minutes left rather than 11. I think that was like 10 and a half minutes were left in the fourth quarter. You've got to back yourself to be able to limit them to that one drive. And then you've still got one drive. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you've, you got to try and back yourself that you can have that five minute drive and utilize that five minutes. We've seen it happen so often in the NFL. Um, we saw it so often in the Super Bowl, even in that first half. Um, but I think that, you know, 10 and a half minutes to go, you're at the 30, which means that your field positioning is not bad if you execute the punt properly. You know, you should be able to put them back onto their 30, of yeah. which then you're still having to, you know, you're still backing your defense to not give up 70 yards. You know, you can give up the field goal at that point of which, you know, by all means have that. And then you've still got five minutes. Um, you know, that's kind of how I'd be looking at it. I did wonder at one point whether they would just because Nick Sirianni seems like the kind of guy that would sort yeah, of just amazing go, on fourth down, yes, not it. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's, insane. He's the yeah. coach and of the brand the state he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah and and he's got the he's got the offense that can execute it i think if it, if it was fourth and two like dave says you know they probably could have snuck it for that you know i think the jalen hurts could sneak for two plus yards when called upon 
Yeah. Well, I for one was delighted if... they punted it, thankfully. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, you know, the rest is history in hindsight, of course, 2020, but no one expects the punt to go back to the five, do they? No, they do not. Um, <laughs> no, it's not very often that that happens. Um, so, yeah, no, interesting debate on that one because obviously analytics does come into it. And when it's fourth and three and the way that which the Eagles have been going, you do question it. But um, well, uh, yeah, analytics uh, was like the, um, basically 50 50. So make a judgment call. Yeah, the, the numbers were the one that they were in that case. About, I go conservative. <laughs> yeah, the one they were annoyed about was the you know, when he kicked the field goal um, in the mm. earlier in the game, I don't know if it was in the second half or first half, that was like 70% go for it. And that was the only one where he just kicked a field goal. But um, oh, is that the one? Um, that that would have been the one third quarter, yeah, directly after yeah. Kansas had scored their touchdown. Seven, yeah, that was the seven one, yeah. minutes, 45 seconds. And then it was a 33 yard field goal. Yeah, because you're only going yeah. up six, aren't you, at that point? So mm. one touchdown, you're yeah. down, down. Yeah, that was the one that people were more uh, more annoyed at. But he only made one wrong decision as a coach all day, which is pretty good. So, Yeah, but even then, though, you know, you're talking fourth and six. You're not talking fourth and three, you know, where you think that there's a good chance that even a run gets it. You know, you're just looking to maintain momentum at that point. But then you argue, of course, as to whether or not momentum actually goes when uh, when you you know concede four points for the gain of three, yeah. of which is um, you know why this sort of thing gets talked about a lot. Um, something else that got talked about a lot, moving away from the um, fr- from the ins and outs of it, the field. Now this field. <laughs> now yeah, exactly. Now what if I told you that the field has been grown in an Arizona farm for 2 years the NFL bought this farmland 2 years ago and they had the sod father you know the guy who's prepared every golf. single pitch for the lap for all the super bowls right all 57 super bowls have been managed by this one old guy who's seen to be the flipping wizened king of grass, right? And it's $800,000 they've invested into this. And they paint the entire thing, move it into the Arizona Stadium, which has the, you might have seen it at Tottenham Stadium, for example. It has the, you know, bring it out, bring it in technology so it can have sunlight and all the rest of it. And... Literally, I've never seen more people slip over on grass ever. And I watch cricket every year. You know, it's it, it was insane as to how many people were falling over, and also just how chopped up it was getting. I've I've never mm. seen, mm. I've never seen an NFL field like I've never seen a rugby field like it. You know, it it was just insane. You know, what what were you guys' thoughts on it? Because yeah, I mean that shouldn't be happening at this level, surely. Dave, you go first. Um, I actually think, uh, thanks for reminding me about this, Josh, I actually think that that played a huge part in uh, both teams having such success because pass rushes just were not getting home because any sort of pivots that um, defenders and players were trying to make, they were just ended up on the deck. I'm glad it happened for, obviously it would have happened for both teams, but it did feel like either team necessarily gained a huge advantage from it. But you do see a couple of quite amusing pratfalls that you know, could do, that could have the Benny Hill treatment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's an absolute shambles that it happened on the biggest stage. Basically, that you're going to have such poor quality grass, or because it, it's one thing to be slipping over, but it's another thing when you actually see chunks of, ter- of grass coming out of 
the ground as well because then you get into the whole injury situation as well because that could be a yeah. broken ankle straight away and that's one of the main things I really didn't want from this game was that injury that ruins the game I don't know we almost had it with Mahomes but yeah I've just baffled as to how they let it get into that state what are your thoughts Liam? Yeah, so we played their first game of the season. Obviously, it's not the field wasn't done by the turf god, whatever his name is, but Turfy um, Jeff. Yeah, basically, but um, sod father, sod father. Um, but yeah, also this was golf grass, by the way. This is the same grass they use on golf courses that they actually laid. But yeah, anyway, the first game of the season was the same. That's how um, Harrison Butker's terrible season started. He had a high ankle sprain because he literally had a kickoff. And the turf was so bad, his whole body just slipped and he just like collapsed on himself and then twisted his ankle. But uh, yeah, they said the first game of the season, that's one of the worst fields they've ever been on. And then flash forward to the end of the season, I know it's a different field, but it's the same outcome. And I think part of it is because they keep wheeling it in, wheeling it out, and they're in a desert. Do you know what I mean? They're growing yeah. grass in the desert. And I don't want that to be turf because if you listen to players, they all just say turf is worse. I know the numbers nowadays are a little bit closer between grass and turf for injuries, but if every player says turf is worse than I'm, I'm me sat at home um on my sofa i'm not going to argue with those athletes that it's better to play <laughs> on different surface. so yeah i think grass is the way to go but they just to do what they've done in the desert it's just never going to work it didn't work for the first game of the season when they relayed the turf and it didn't work this week but yeah i thought it was bad i know the broadcast kept saying it but it was definitely worse on the painted areas um which was the yes. only reason i was panicking at the end of the game because they lined the field goal up bang on <laughs> directly in the, the, in the yeah. logo <laughs> yeah and i was there like guys i noticed we, that <laughs> do we need to do this but um yeah it was terrible it shouldn't be done like that um you shouldn't have a Super Bowl at this. And I don't want to dampen next year's Super Bowl already, but it's in Vegas where they also wheel the pitch in. Also extremely hot and it will be grass as well. So, And the Vegas turf this year was slippy as well. So I feel like it's just going to be a similar scenario, but they've got a year to sort it out. But I have to say, it was embarrassing that if you're the NFL, that Fox kept having to show those like, piles of cleats with longer studs to be like, look, this is what they're doing. One player, they didn't show it on Fox, but they showed it on like the YouTube um, highlights. He covered his whole studs in tape like his whole foot, even though he didn't sprain his ankle, it was one of the Eagles players, covered it in tape to be like, right, this might give me a bit more support. I don't think it actually worked, but the fact that he even has to think about that yeah. in the Super Bowl yeah. is a bit of a joke, isn't it? It is. Also, quick question, Liam, you might know this. Um, Harrison Butker, does he usually wear two different boots on his feet? Because oh, yeah. he has what his left boot is Adidas and his right boot is Nike. And yeah. I'm there thinking, yeah. what the hell? Show off. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure if this is true, but I read something about there being part of it is like a um, sponsorship deal to wear um, whichever one's on his left foot. Um, but he's very superstitious, as most kickers are, so he only kicks with the same style boot on the right foot, so he just did the deal that he can wear whatever he boots he wants on the kicking foot, and then the left one, he'll wear the free boots that come through sponsorship. So, yeah, um, I never noticed it until this game, and then when I read on it afterwards, apparently it is a common thing. Um, huh? And ironically, first game of the season, he wore all Nike boots and then obviously slipped, and then he's come back and he's mixed, <laughs> it. He's mixed it half and half. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know that after, but he's a very, very uh, superstitious man. He's um, He's quite an odd character for anyone who wants to do some research on him. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me when I saw the photos. You do realise that when it comes to doing the AFC West pod now, we are going to have to just talk about the oddities of Harrison Booker in detail. You've set yourself yeah. up for that now. Yeah. Not a fan of vaccines, I'll say. That's what, that's one thing about him. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say about a third of the league isn't. It's just that uh, they're not as loud and vocal about it as Aaron Rodgers or Cole Beasley. True. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of other controversies, because that's definitely one, uh, um, let's come on to the one of which was given the most airtime, I think, towards the end of the game. Obviously, you know, we were, of course, going to talk about this, but I think it can get quashed rather quickly. And in fact, I'm just going to give you guys a, I'm just going to give you a couple of questions on it, really, kind of yes and no. Um, just because I don't think that it really needs to be discussed all that much. Now, obviously, Bradbury has said that it was a hold in any case. You know, the, the game-defining moment of which many called it, you know, where Bradbury holds Juju Smith-Schuster. First question, was it enough of a hold to affect the play? Yes or no? Just shout out. Yes. Fair enough. So that pretty much just discounts my uh, my second question there. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking if one person said no, I could go, then go on to what would constitute it because then maybe yeah. a rule change could come into mm. the offing in the summer about, you know, whether or not if a hold doesn't have an impact, should it be thrown? Because I think that that's... Well, yeah, he killed him on... He um, killed him on a double move. He did that earlier in the game as well, actually. And yeah, it's a walking touchdown for me, so... Yeah, the um, the video that gets shown often is the one of which was on the broadcast of which is the um, you know the end to end view, the the end to end view of which is uh, you know it practically shows nothing that view it does nothing, you know the most of which you see is the slight left arm on you know the back of on on his back where it doesn't actually show any tugger jersey it's because the side view is best if you guys look at the uh twitter photo that's now circulating where you got the side view it's very clear that there is a huge hold on his jersey i think if that was shown more often i think that it would have got dispelled a hell of a lot quicker obviously that sort of killed the game off it kind of changed my the way which i was going to interrogate liam on this pod actually because i was going to be there going it clearly wasn't a hold so um you know do you feel like you've uh, got this uh, super bowl cheaply but uh, no i've i've seen the evidence the evidence is right in front of my face we can scratch that from being a controversy but juju smith-schuster didn't stop there because yesterday, ah, oh, good luck. I, I, how how you can bat for this man? I have no idea. Um, I love Juju. So, <laughs> so for anyone that's been living under a rock, NFL memes puts out a bunch of Valentine's Day e cards, basically hmm. pointing fun at a number of NFL individuals throughout the year. I have to admit, they've outdone themselves this year. Some of the ones are hilarious. <laughs> I think I'm going to hell for laughing at the Tua Tugavailoa one um, in particular. Um, I, I won't. Uh, yeah, I won't spoil it for anyone, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyway, the uh, the one in question of which brings about some con- controversy with Juju Smith-Schuster is a picture of Bradbury saying, um, "I'll hold you down in the. Um, I'll hold you down in the closest moment." Um, it, uh, in the right moments or something like that, you know, basically it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you, I'll, I'll hold you in the, it, it, I'll, I'll hold you in the mat, in the times that matter most. That's it. That's the line. And Juju Smith-Schuster well, decided to, yeah, thank you. It's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long week, right? I haven't had a lot of sleep. Um, and it's been a long pod as well. It's 50 minutes in. I wasn't expecting to host this. And, um, 
Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, retweets this out, you know, basically says happy Valentine's Day, knowing that pretty much everyone is going to come come after him on it. Um, quite a few of the Eagles players getting some more humble than others. Um, a few NFL individuals, writers, journalists, etc. Does it sit right with you? I just think that that's just being a bad winner. Yeah, I love it. Liam, I'm going to come so... to you first because you are... <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you love it, but but it's come on, surely it's just a case of don't be a prick. I don't no. know, I just find it quite, I just find it quite funny. It's only a hold, isn't it? It's not like he's he just made an error on the field, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I find I think I find Juju quite funny. Um, and yeah, he was getting a lot of stick pre-game as well in terms of from Philly media, like oh they've got no wide receivers and they've only got Kelsey, and then obviously he has a good game. But yeah, I think he's just having a bit of fun. I don't think it's that serious, but. Um, yeah, people seemed annoyed. I think it would be different if Bradbury's in tears on the field crying, like I've ruined the. But after the game, he's like, Yeah, mm. I did a hold. Next day, he's like, Yeah, I don't really mind where I'm at. As long as I get paid, I, I want to try and win the Super Bowl. But as long as you pay me, I'll come. So I think Bradbury being quite okay with it was saying, I think it'd be a bit different if it was like Mahomes taking the mick of like, Joseph Asai, you know, after the day when Asai's in tears on the field and needs all mm. of his players to like carry him to the locker room. Whereas for me, I thought this was just a little bit of social media fun, and then uh, saw loser Eagles players didn't like it, which I found quite funny. One of them, which is quite close to Dave's heart as well, Mister uh, Garner Johnson. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's not that big a deal, is it? Juju likes to run his mouth, and if you're going to take the bait, then more fool you. And again, if Bradbury had been, uh, as I say, had it been a situation. Uh, like in the AFC Championship game, then yeah, it would have been sort of kicking someone whilst they're down. But he said he owned it and he's happy, to, he's moving on from it. And everyone getting themselves in a twist about it. I think if that was like yeah. Travis Kelsey, everyone would laugh it off because it's Juju's got a bit of a yeah. odd people like see him as like a TikTok person. And uh, mm. I think it meant a bit more. If that was literally like Travis Kelsey or Marcus calling yeah, I think people will just laugh it off, but because it's yeah. Juju, people seem to hate on him for uh, for some reason. No, I, I don't know. I think the Travis Kelsey is starting to lose a bit of stuck with the uh, with the neutral as well now after uh, the last couple of uh, couple of games from what I'm garnering off social media. I think that uh, there is a very sort of players obviously find ways to motivate themselves and all the rest of it. He seems to, he, you know, he seems to have found a way of which it was like, Oh, everyone's against us or doesn't believe in us, etc. And he's, uh, you know, he's obviously taken that and, you know, you know, fair play to him. It obviously works. Not that he needs it. He's one of the best players in the, <laughs> in the world, but, uh, I oh, think this podcast pick the Chargers to win the West. That's all I'll say. You guys pick the Chargers to win the West. Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> that we were expecting a hell of a lot more from a lot of teams this year, um, of which just never came to. You know what? The predictions pod recap is not happening at all. This season <laughs> did not go to plan whatsoever. You know, no. I mean, no one expected the Denver Broncos to be as terrible as that. No, no, not getting into it now. No, Dave's wife pod. did. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that will uh, that will be for a summer pod. Josh, do not get sucked into Liam's <laughs> madness. Um, right. Final point before I let you two go. MVP. Now, Patrick Mahomes won it. Um, 
probably with some of the lowest actual like if we don't look at rating etc because obviously he had the best rating of any quarterback in a second half etc but in terms of like, actual like passing yards rushing yards etc um, I think just because of the fact that he didn't have a lot of plays, Mahomes had a rather muted performance. If you look at the box score alone, um, you know, you look at it and Mahomes gets uh, 21 completions off 27 for 182 yards. He does get the free touchdowns. Um, y- you know, we Jalen Hurts had a monster game himself. Like you said, Dave, at the top of the show, um, you know, if he was on the winning side, he would have won it comfortably. And there was possibly an argument that he could even have had a shout for it, even as the loser, if he didn't contribute via a fumble and then throw it for five and a half yards down the field on a Hail Mary um, <laughs> at the end of the game. <laughs> you, you know, I think that those two things kind of played a contributing factor towards that. But even PFF gave him, you know, the uh, the highest rating of anyone there. My question to you both, just just from looking at it from a pure numbers perspective, because that's what a lot of this sort of boils down to and all the rest of it, is the MVP pretty much exclusively for quarterbacks of the winning team unless someone has a serious, serious monster of a game? Like, for example, Nick Bolton would have had to have scored that second defensive touchdown to have had a shout. Yeah, I think he wins it then, yeah. Yeah, but realistically, it requires that level of, you know, almost superhuman performance from a non-quarterback in order to get it. Well, I think, well, um, he didn't have a crazy game last year, did he? Um, Cooper Cup, and obviously he won the... uh... He won the MVP. I'm trying to look it up now because I've read a stat about like how many of them were quarterbacks in the last few years, and it was way less mm. than I thought. So it was like something like from 2014, I think there's been just as many non-quarterbacks win it as quarterbacks, but it's basically just wide receivers. Mm. Uh, and then you had, right. obviously, Malcolm Smith was quite well-known in that Seahawks game. And then the big one is Miller. Because yeah. he had three sacks, two of which were like strip sack fumbles. <laughs> and he scored a touchdown yeah. on one of them. So... I feel like weirdly wide receivers have got more than you think. Like Junior Julian Edelman is still one of the weirdest uh, MVPs in the world. But yeah, I think in general, yeah, I think unless it's a crazy performance, then it often will go to the quarterback. But they are normally mm. the ones that that um, won their team the game. I'm not someone who thinks if you lose, you should ever win the MVP. But that's just that's just my view. I think it's happened once or twice in history. But um, yeah, I'll save my why Mahomes was the MVP round. I'll let Dave talk about uh, positions of MVPs. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think Nick Bolton should have had it full stop. That's the sort of, uh, irrespective of that, I mean, when I thought that that was in for a second defensive touchdown, <laughs> uh, even though I'm not a Chiefs fan, I lost my mind. Oh, this is amazing! but Because uh, it did feel like a Malcolm Smith-esque uh, performance mm. in that game. Yeah, and he, was, and he was always there as well. His name was mentioned so often. Well, yeah, imagine if you bet him, you'd be fuming then, wouldn't you? If you bet him, because oh, I think absolutely. he was sixty to one. So. Uh, but he led the game across both teams with tackles, and uh, you look at the other uh, defensive players that you know, the names on the uh, Chiefs half of the ball, and Chris Jones and Frank Clark had relatively quiet games. Um, but again, you know, it's not a knock on them. But Nick Bolton's a guy that really stood up and made it count. And you could actually tell in the second half as well, the way that the Chiefs were getting after the Eagles 
you know, Nick Bolton was at the front of that every time. So he was my personal MVP after Kadarius Tony. I was going to yes. say, yeah. Like, Kadarius Tony, we can just give it to him. That'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had, well, I, I think I don't know if Adam bet it as well, but I knew that I had it. I think Callum had that as well. Like, he was 100 to 1 for Super Bowl MVP. So I had a quid on it just for a laugh. And when he was running in for the second one, I was like, oh my God. Kadarius Tony MVP, <laughs> two touchdowns. Night, but yeah. No, yeah, I'm biased because obviously he's my favourite player of all time. But yeah, I just couldn't see how it can't be. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, against the league's best defence, uh, yeah. allegedly. He had a 99 percentile performance in every metric that isn't yards, <laughs> basically. Mm. Uh, and if you look at yards per play, the Chiefs had more yards per play than the Eagles. Just the fact the Eagles had double the plays. It was like 6.4 for the Chiefs versus 5.8 for the Eagles. Um, both those lines would have been leading for the whole season as well. So it was literally the best performance <laughs> for a drive in the season. So by both teams. Um, and wow. obviously, Mahomes won the game. Yeah, so for me... I think, I think he was. Like I said, I don't want to read all the stats again, but yeah, it was like the fifth best Super Bowl performance of all time as well, in, in, for the whole game by EPA per play, EPA added, QBR, uh, every stat that isn't yards. And Jane Hurts was the ninth, uh, the eighth best. So it was like two top ten performances. But for me, yeah, Mahomes is better. Um, PFF actually graded him with no negative plays. ESPN said no negative plays as well. That's the first time in Super Bowl history that quarterback being graded with no negative plays. So for me, I thought it was an easy decision. And, and when Josh put in the group chat that he wasn't MVP or saying I lost my mind. But um, um, I'm not exactly going to be annoyed if my linebacker wins me the Super Bowl either. But, um... oh, you, made, you made it sound like I was ready to implant Jalen Hurts as the, you know, as the MVP, okay. you know, even though he was on the losing side. That was not my pitch. My pitch was for Tony or for Bolton or for yeah, someone. No, it was basically, it knows. was more of a case of QB versus everyone else. But... Yeah, I, yeah, think I, I, I can understand is, um, why you're back for your boy there because that second half yeah. performance was fantastic. I'm, it's, I just it's narrative wonder whether a little or not bit. It's narrative yeah. as well, isn't it? I was going to say, bit. it's the narrative, the isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the ankle yeah. injury is, yeah, that's big. So I kind of thought he would get it. And like you said, though, if the Eagles won for sure, I would have given it to Jane Hurst. I don't think anyone else could have really had a case for them. I thought Dallas Goddard was the second best player, but um, Jane Hurts would have been the MVP if the Eagles won. But yeah, I mean, he 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 led the team even in rushing. You know, he had seventy yards rushing off fifteen carries. You know, Kenneth Gainwell was the uh, was the next highest with seven carries for twenty one yards. That will tell you as to uh, just how little the Eagles were able to get off the ground on the rushing front. So, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts was definitely carrying it from an Eagles offensive perspective. And the Chiefs, I felt, was a bit more all-rounded on both sides of the ball. But like you say, the the narrative and also just the incredibly clean second half, you know, in pretty much every single way is what carried Mahomes over to that MVP there. So um, put it this way, I'm definitely not as uh, negative on it as I was at 4 o'clock on Monday morning. You know, I... (laughs) Uh, I thought I thought I'd put in some sort of wrench in the chat at four o'clock in the morning. It's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's tired me talk, up, so it works. which is what I'm pretty much doing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, no, that's uh, that's it for us today. We've just gone over the hour. So, um, cheers, Dave, and cheers, Liam, for your thoughts there on all things Super Bowl. Um, really great to have you. Liam, obviously, congrats again. Um, in terms of what's happening at 410 Yards, considering that we are now at the end of the year, um, Liam, I believe that the uh, Go For Two pod is um, going on for uh, its Super Bowl review on Friday, did you say? Thursday, Friday? Yeah. It's going on Friday, yeah, and then we've got some excited plans as well for um, free agency and 
and draft content as well because we all know that the NFL doesn't have a break until like the summer. So we get into the draft stuff now. So yeah, yeah we're, we're doing one Friday and then basically straight away from the week after we'll get on to um, free agency and, and draft stuff. So it should be good. Yeah, so uh, keep on to the Go For Two podcast for that as well as um, the network podcasts as well. Some of the teams are continuing with uh, draft content and a few bits and bobs as well. I know that um, the Believe in Brick podcast as well for any Browns fans that are listening will be putting on one every few weeks just to keep things going until the draft. In terms of the full 10 yards, we will be back um probably next week if not next week it will be the week after just keep your eyes peeled on your favorite podcast provider we'll be um just rounding things off in terms of the season um you know just looking at uh all things in general rather than just the super bowl because a lot of things have happened this year i don't know if anyone's noticed but it's been one of the uh one of the bigger um, NFL seasons for shocks and surprises and moves and potential QB carousels and retirements and flipping TV commentator deals and God knows what else. So we'll be covering all of that and obviously the draft and a whole lot more um, next week. We'll also have a few things in mind as we head towards the draft and then it will be a case of having a nice little break in the summer whilst we write up our season guide, of which will be available to pre-order in the coming weeks. So, again, just keep your eyes on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm sure that uh, you'll see things populating on there very soon. But for now, that's it from me, from Liam and from Dave. We will see you guys next week or the week after. Keep your eyes peeled. And this has been the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Oh.